got, uh, we mentioned this a few weeks ago, we got our first proper listener mail that wasn't from someone we were related to um, <laughs> with feedback on an episode. Wait, and is my been, dad your dad too? My dad, oh, my dad doesn't listen to the show. Um, but but um, we wanted to address this and we haven't really had time because um, last week we got, you know, we ended up talking about McCain and heroes and symbolism and they really both was no transition and um i mean that was just an important thing to be you're not sidetracked by something like that it's important but i do want to take the last 10 minutes here to um address some of the things that were said in the email because um i'll just give his first name his name was ryan he sent us a very long thoughtful email that he'd clearly worked on um reviewing our episode about gun violence he sent this back on august 6th so um we were sort of on a bit of a summer vacation not doing episodes for a while then we were busy with uh, exigent circumstances like McCain's death, so we haven't addressed it yet. Um, and I'd like to have us, at least because he put a lot of effort into this, I want to um, uh, have us take the last 10 minutes to sort of address what he said. Um, I take it from the context of the email that um, Ryan is a solid Second Amendment rights supporter. Um, and uh, I don't remember what we said in our guns episode, and I don't really remember when we recorded it. Um, but I'm assuming everything he criticizes is something David said. Um, <laughs> it's clearly the case. Yeah. Probably. Because he starts off by mentioning that um, we went along with um, some of the um, sort of over-exaggerated language against the NRA. Apparently David called them a terrorist organization. Or <laughs> it's hard to say if you said that or somebody else said that and he is bringing up that subject. But um, – Apparently we, or by which I mean David, equated the NRA to Al-Qaeda and ISIS or something, um, which uh, without re-listening to the episode, I can't exactly recall. Um, I certainly don't agree with equating them to ISIS or Al-Qaeda. Sounds unlikely. I wouldn't call them a terrorist organization. So David, how would you defend yourself? Well, I mean, I think the only way that I could imagine that we would have made a comparison like that would have been if it had been in the context of... uh, saying something like, you know, so many people, like just over 3000 people were killed in, in, on the September 11th uh, attacks. And that happened all at once and was a, a, you know, attack on our country by foreigners and therefore created the demand for an immediate response that is still shaping our lives a generation later. Mm. Um, whereas significantly more people than that number are killed every year by gun violence, including self-inflicted. And that because, you know, because it's a different type of, uh, because it's a different type of violence, it's the slow boil of anonymous deaths happening every day. Um, that that's something that we ignore, even though it's roughly 10 times the the amount every year. We may have brought up the um, the point that, um, you know, we had one guy who tried to make a bomb out of his shoe. And so all of us have to take our shoes off at the airport. But we've had all of these mass shootings and have done nothing. That's probably what we said. Right. It might have been something along yeah. those lines. I think but... Ryan's main point was about... Um, using um, overly strong language in some of these comparisons, such as, for example, saying right-wing, like hate speech is a form of violence. 
and that right wingers are Nazis. Um, I would say, you know, I had a Facebook post. I don't think I would ever have said that. Oh, well, you know, maybe you talk about something somebody else said. Um, in any event, um, I mean, I had a Facebook post that blew up a month or two ago when the travel ban came down, where the travel ban and the family separation were going on at the same time. And I just sort of posted those two news stories side by side. And so remind me how the Nazi comparisons are unacceptable again. Oh, right. And, you know, that blew up a bit. So my right winger friends were not happy. Um, (laughs) and, um, I mean, part of the difficulty there is I was imprecise in my language, um, you know, I, I was I didn't mean to say if you vote Republican, you are a Nazi or you voted for the Nazis. But those are policies that Nazis would have, um, that those policies bear a lot of similarities to things that are very frightening and that lead to very frightening things. And um, I don't know if you, there's this recent story. We can't get too sidetracked by this right now. But there was a story in um, the Atlantic or was it the Washington Post this week about how they're starting to take passports away from American citizens by claiming their birth certificates right. aren't sufficient information, which stepping mm-hmm. aside from a minute, we obviously knew when we had a president who got his name in politics by saying a birth certificate wasn't sufficient to show you were born in the U.S. would start right. doing something like this. But um, this was, of course, responded to with snippets of no, I, I, I must. I'm sorry. I must interrupt you to say again that um, you're putting that on Trump. You know, that's not Trump. Trump. Right. Emerged Trump emerged on the birther train. That's how he that's how he got his name into the national discussion um, as a serious potential current political actor. But let's go back to the McCain thing. That woman who right you know said Obama's an Arab. That was in two thousand eight. Yeah. Right. So long this before is the Trump Republican Party. This is the Republican Party um, that uh, you know that has allowed those people to have far too significant a power, you know, a voice and right. a role in their party. So it's but not, it's I not have a, Trump. There's a separate episode that I'd like to make a whole episode at some point where I feel that a big distinction between why the left is functioning in a good way. And then the right has sort of fallen into dysfunction over the last few decades is that the right has promoted and encouraged its crazy people, but the left has done a better job at marginalizing and sidelining them. Not perfect, right. but better anyway. Right. Um, but yeah, so there's a story continue. about this and they, yeah. they, they cut two clips of the New York times from the thirties saying, well, the, the, the German government is confiscating the passports of Jews. And now the Jews have to go and talk to these people before they can leave the country. I mean, it's, you've got like taking away people's passports because you don't believe their documentation is, and, 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 and I mean, <laughs> the Nazi comparison is right there. It you don't have to go very far to make it. This was a disfavored group they decided should be held for additional scrutiny on basic functions of living in, a, in an open society. Um, anyway. Yeah, and, I mean, it's, and it's um, you know, I mean, it is unclear how much you lose by the fact that you're comparing something. I mean, is it like, is it 30% equivalent? Is it, you know, 80% right. equivalent? I mean, is the fact that, like, I think it would be, I mean, it is totally wrong, I would say, to <laughs> suggest through any type of comparison that Republicans want to physically exterminate, you know, people of Mexican heritage, people of Central American and, and South American heritage who live in the United States. But how much of a difference, I mean, this is going to sound like a stupid question, but how much of a difference does that actually 
pose right. in this comparison. Because if what they are intending to do is strip them of citizenship and strip them of rights, that's not acceptable either. I mean, just because they're not, just because there's pretty obviously no plan to kill them, um, which is what immediately comes to mind when someone makes the Nazi comparison for very good reasons, because it is pretty, I mean, it is a pretty unique episode in, in history, despite. Although not as unique kind of, as you would want it to be. Not as unique as you'd want it to be. Exactly. That's very well. That's the right way of putting it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but it still behooves us to, I mean, we talked before about this kind of spectrum and the fact that like, just because we are clearly very early on in the stages of, um, stripping people of rights and dehumanizing them relative to the end stage of the Holocaust, just because we are far away from that end stage doesn't mean it isn't worth identifying where on a, on the, on the, on, in a, um, you know, if we identify the historical procession that took place in Germany it is in fact valuable to say, huh, do we fall anywhere on that progression? If so, let's be let's be very concerned by this and make sure that we don't go any further. Right. That seems valuable, even if it is it is does not appear at all likely that the progression, even if it advances very far in this country, will end up with mass extent, right. you know mass murder as opposed to mass, um, you know, uh, political oppression. Right. Well, that's right? like I mean, that's even, even if it's just mass political oppression, that's still unacceptable. It should it should still be unacceptable. Right. Well, that was the, the, I mean, what my point was in this Facebook thread where we discussed this, which was, you know, basically my conservative friends were saying that it's unacceptable to call somebody a Nazi because people, you hear Nazi, you think genocide. And so right. Nazi has to be reserved for genocide. And my response to that was that, you know, it wasn't even the Nazi plan to commit genocide at the beginning. It wasn't the Nazi, if we're talking about 1933, 1934 Germany, they weren't planning on exterminating the Jews. They were just planning on these earlier steps. They came up with the idea of exterminating them later. Um, and so the fact that, so if you were, and, and a lot of people in 1934 Germany would say that it was unthinkable that they would actually try to exterminate the Jews. A lot of people after the war was over who were in Germany said that it was unthinkable that this was going on. We didn't know what was going on. So yeah. just because you think the idea is unthinkable doesn't mean that you can't use any comparisons to it. And I mean, the other point that I made is that what's the value of learning anything from history if you're not allowed to invoke a historical analogy until it's too late? Because if you're right. if, if you hold the standard that you cannot use the word Nazi until genocide is in progress, then you've then you can't then you've learned nothing from that. What's the point of learning about? Nazis yeah, why learn about it at all? Um, right. The Nazis have created this incredibly long documented process throughout the course of 12 years that we can look at and we can say and we can say as you said where are we on this process what's happening there and so when you see these things like the passports being stripped or the families being separated or muslims are now banned from coming in it's you know there are analogy there are you know clear comparisons here and they're frightening um yeah. and i mean if you look at trump during the election said who is this Mexican judge to rule on me? I've said horrible things about Mexicans, so a Mexican judge shouldn't be allowed to hear this Trump University case. The guy was born in America. He just had right. Mexican parents. And so, I mean, how different is that from saying Jews shouldn't be allowed to hear cases over true-blooded Germans? Right. Well, like, it's, Jews it's can't be judges because they can't judge equivalent. us. 
Yeah. Like, that's a pretty close comparison. You don't... Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, other than the extent to which the Jews are a relatively historically unique category of people because of their right. um, continuous, relatively homogenous identity stretching back thousands of years to the moment that they were pushed into the diaspora. But with that, with that caveat, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you that the, um, the violation of the concept of an equal person under the law is, is, is right there in both of those cases. Yeah. And that Equally needs to be strong. sacrosanct yeah. to us that you don't start saying, Oh, well, your heritage is this. So you have to do yeah. this. Yeah. It's, which, of course, a lot of writers respond uh, by watched, saying, well, that's affirmative action. Right. So speaking of Nazis and communists and equal protection, um, I watched this movie, uh, Bridge of Spies. Okay, yeah, on Tom Hanks one. a plane. Yeah. I, watched, I think I watched it, like, twice on the same flight because it was so good. And I get sappy on flights. There's something about the altitude that I cry, like, almost all the time. Oh, I'm sure movies. that's why. You know, I, I can tell you quite clearly that I don't cry very often when I watch movies at sea level, but I cry very often when I watch movies on planes. But there's this great line from that uh, movie where, uh, you know, Tom Hanks' character is talking to this uh, spooky guy who's either CIA or FBI. And um, Hanks' character is like, uh, what's, your, what's your name? And the guy's like, Hoffman. He's like, Hoffman, nice to meet you. I'm Donovan. So what is it that makes, you know, a Kraut and an Irishman on the same side? He has this long, it's not particularly long. It's actually quite pithy and and charming uh, statement about the Constitution and the Mm. way that the Constitution turns us all into Americans and gives us a common set of rights and rules to live by. And um, I'm just a... I'm just exactly the sucker that uh, Spielberg Aww. wants for for that kind of movie. But you know, also note uh, note the last name there. Like that's what makes us Spielberg. strong as a country. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, we're strong as a country for many reasons, and our open debate with people who disagree with us and send us emails um, is part of that. I feel a little uh, uh, bad because we we're we're giving Ryan short change on some of his arguments because um, we're sort of tw- we, you know we're, we're over time here. And um, and uh, still have addressed very little of what he says, which is actually a good point for what he his next question was. And he meant this just as you know, somebody who'd only heard one episode. What is the goal of our podcast? Are we trying to persuade, <laughs> lecture, virtue signal, find workable solutions? And the truth, the real truth of the matter is our podcast is because we like having these conversations. And while we have them, we also develop skills. I've gotten much better at segues. I've learned how to edit, you know, podcasts, how to edit podcasts, how to record audio, how to do these things, how to manage time a bit better, even though I'm not doing it great today. Um, There are all these things that you learn and grow from having these conversations. But primarily, it's a selfish motivation, which is that the stuff it's doing is for us, not for other people. (laughs) Well, and as a segue to that, um, or, you know, dovetailing with that, as Donald Kagan pointed out about the role of... Um, the public forum in uh, many of the polis. Uh, Citizen was not 
considered truly free if he could not stand up and have his say in front of the assembly. And for better or for worse, to speak his mind and be heard by those around him. And of course, you know, in that context, the uh, male singular pronoun is warranted. Now, you know, any um, he, she, or, or uh, zur with a with an internet connection can, you know, spout endlessly into the into the void as we are, and uh, it's just our great luck and good fortune that some random people uh, across the internet care to come and listen to us talk. Right. Like, I mean, it, yeah. it also can serve to, you know, with just the friends of mine that do listen and tell me a few things about each episode, it can serve to sharpen my mind and my thoughts because, um, you know, one of the key ways to see how well you understand an issue is to try to explain it. And sometimes right. we're on this show and I fumble through an explanation and, you know, maybe for the person listening to the show, that's not great for them. Um, but for me, I realized afterwards, oh, I don't understand this nearly as well as I thought I did. Um, and that's, I mean, so to a certain extent, our shortcomings are a point of the podcast, um, because it enables us to identify and hopefully remedy those. For example, to get into his next point, um, Ryan had a, <laughs> um, a number of, uh, a, a long discussion about particular types of weapons and specifics in Supreme Court decisions on Second Amendment rights. And um, I have, of the cases he cites, he cites U.S. v. Miller and uh, Heller. Um, I don't know that I've ever read the full Heller decision. I remember that we read it in law school when it came down. Um, but it's been a while. And I will actually confess, because he gets into a lot of specifics on firearms, I know, I know basically nothing about firearms in terms of their specifics. I know that... Um, you know, some things are called assault weapons. Some things are called military style weapons. If you ask me to distinguish, you know, what makes this gun different from that gun, I don't know that I could tell you. In fact, I know that I couldn't tell you. Um, and so this, this raises a sort of a broader question, which is something that I have, uh, been troubled about for many years, which is there are a lot of issues that I have opinions about where I know that I don't know the subject well enough to be somebody who writes a law related to the subject. And I think about that, and I think, well, if I were a, legislat a legislator writing a law or supporting legislation on this, I would do my due diligence to be completely backed up on all that information. But as a private citizen, I don't really have the time to go through and learn every aspect of everything that I have an opinion on. And so the question becomes, am I... Uh, like, am I failing as a citizen to not try to be fully versed on these issues while still having an opinion about guns? David, where do you think we can draw a line on how well-informed we can be while holding an opinion and discussing it, but not actually writing legislation? I feel like you're going to cut me off, and that'll be the end of the show before I have an answer. But, that does actually sound um, like something I would do, but not in this particular <laughs> instance. Yeah. Um, well, I think that uh, in answer to your question, obviously – the the whole concept of a representative democracy uh, assumes that the citizens do not hold themselves as you know knowing in every instance all the details of some issue. We we designate representatives to uh, to wield our electoral power, and indeed those people 
don't know all the details of all the issues because that is impossible. They have staffs and, you know, to some extent that's the, um, the legitimate role that lobbyists play is bringing the right. wisdom and knowledge of, uh, of industry into some of those discussions. Now, of course they have to be balanced by relatively, um, disinterested parties right. who are able to make decisions without, but, you know, but it is interest. exactly correct for a, somebody from the NRA to come into a congressman's office and say, look, here's the difference between an M4 and an AR-15. Right. Exactly. No, and then You need the, those people. The, yeah. I mean, the, the, those people have a role to play. And I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, and a, a legitimate role to play. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, they can say, they can go in and say, yeah, these are very different. And look at, uh, all the angels dancing on the head of this pin. Um, and the elected representative can say, I know what my constituents want and they don't want either of these things mm. available freely, practically freely, um, in our communities, in our society. And, um, you know, you may know all these things, but it's, I mean, equivalent, this may come off as a strange comparison, but it's, it's sort of reminding me of, um, the George Bush era debate over, um, fetal stem cells hmm. that, you know, doctors came and said, look, here are all the things we can do here. You know, here are all the things that this, uh, this substance provides us with. And here's all the, here are all the reasons that, you know, it doesn't make sense to think of these as, um, you know, as human beings, it's not, these aren't, these aren't people, you know, um, these are, here are all the reasons that we have to pursue this as a, um, you know, a tremendous benefit to our society to use this, this, this substance for research. But the Bush administration just said, no, that's not what we want. We don't, you know, th those are not our values. And what happened was that my understanding is, um, medical innovation basically took over and rendered, um, kind of got a workaround such that all of the things that were being, maybe not all, but many of the things that were being promised as avenues for research, um, were kind of eventually reached by other means. And it, you know, the point is that people who are experts can say, these guns are different. You know, you're talking about something that you don't know anything about. Uh, as an expert, I can tell you that, um, here are all the reasons that it would be so difficult to do this, to take guns away. You wouldn't really be solving this problem, blah, blah, blah. But the elected representatives, um, delivering the message of their constituents, I believe should be able to say that's all immaterial. Actually, you know, we don't want that in our society. And, um, again, it's, it's not an apples to apples comparison, but it, uh, but it just came to mind as yeah. something that could perhaps, um, stick in Ryan's mind to think yeah. about. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, we're way over at this point, enough so that I almost want to spin this off into a slightly separate mini-episode, except I don't, I'd have to record, oh, maybe I'll record a transition and do that. Um, but, that would probably uh, be a good idea, a little answer yeah. to Ryan, he would, and he would maybe even see it more easily. Yeah, um, my thinking was I'd respond to the email and say, hey, in this episode we're going to cover this. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know that we really addressed his concerns all that much, because we can't really get into the weeds of, you know, the... He talks about the effective point range of an M14 and an AR-15, and yeah, I can't, I, I can tell you nothing. <laughs> Having only ever shot an air rifle in trial to precision shooting in high school, I am, you know, not even remotely near that area. Um, and uh, as I said, if, if I were voting on or drafting legislation that involved restrictions on that, I would delve into it further, but at this point... I mean, maybe there may be some free, some day that I am bored and in my free time decide, hey, I'm just going to learn, you know, the ins and outs of guns, which wouldn't be a bad thing. I've actually thought about going to, you know, a shooting range or something simply to learn how to operate a gun in case I should ever um, come across one and need to handle it. Not, not that I intend to buy a gun or own a gun, but if there's a situation where I find, you know, an unattended gun lying on the, the street and I have to do something with it, I'd rather know yeah, what can. I'm doing. Good to make sure you don't shoot yourself. Um, right. I'd want to know how the safety works. Least, I'd want to know how to make sure it's it's you know it's, it's not loaded. I'd want to know how to hold it properly, how to take care of it. And if I ever do find myself in a situation where I need to shoot a gun at a person, I don't know in what situation I would be handed a gun and told to do that. Um, I would like to know what I'm doing. Um, right. I mean, I have a, a family member who, um, you know, this was 50 years ago, um, accidentally ended up shooting his sister in the arm. Because they got into a car that they were borrowing, and he bumped a stack of papers, and under the stack of papers was a gun that was loaded that shot his sister in the arm. So, oh you know, that is a thing that can happen if you don't know what you're doing. And I would – it is a – I think guns are – Sounds dangerous. like a thing that could happen if you even do know what you're doing. Right. Oh, some moron that, I mean, that is also their true. loaded gun under a pile of papers in a car. Yeah, I, would, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend doing that. But mm. um, in any event um, – you know, I would like to know more about it, which is not quite the same. Of course, the great irony is, you know, who teaches you how to use guns a lot of the time? The NRA, right. <laughs> which I'm not a huge fan of. But yeah. yeah. So anyway, I hope we addressed at least some of your concerns there. Well, and, and, and to Ryan, and on that point, I would say, you know, my father was a member of the NRA hmm. and was a member when it did basically exist only to teach people how to use guns. Right. And he is almost ashamed to have been a member because right. of the role that it now plays in our society. Well, it was only so. 20 years ago that Wayne LaPierre was saying in a speech you can find the clip of that it's insane and ridiculous to suggest that guns should that teachers should be armed, that guns right. don't belong anywhere near a school and no one is saying that, no one's crazy enough to say that. Well, 20 years have passed and that's not there his take go. anymore. So the, the equivalent of the Trump there's always a tweet. There's always a tweet. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, I hope uh, we at least gave you something. I think we could talk mo more about why we do this podcast than about anything specifically related to guns. Um, but, uh, but yes, uh, hopefully that was helpful. And if anyone else wants to let, write us emails, we promise we will address all of them because I am confident that the number of emails we will receive will be manageable. Yes. And I just want to say, you know, that um, it really was a – privilege to get the 
communication that Ryan sent because it seemed heartfelt and obviously comes from a very different place uh, than we inhabit in our mental space, but um, really seemed aimed at um, communicating rather than hectoring. And that uh, the opportunity to read it, even if we haven't really taken the opportunity to respond to it in that spirit, was uh, was really valuable and you know hopefully our answer to the extent that we were able to give one now can be seen in that in that same spirit excellent well in that vein um let's close this mini episode and um we will see all of you next week and if any of you again wants to uh Send us an email. Just send it to fear, honor, and interest podcast at gmail.com. You can say whatever crazy thing you want, and we will at least try to respond. And by crazy thing, I'm not nothing Ryan said was crazy, but I mean, if you want to say something, <laughs> we will respond to it, hopefully respectfully. All right. Have a good week. <laughs>